Do it. Do it. Welcome to the Austin Otaku Podcast, hosted by Jesse McDonald and Keith Good. Welcome back to the Austin Otaku Podcast, everyone. Uh, Jesse McDonald here uh, again with the trend avoiding Keith Good. Keith, how are you doing today? Oh, that was a positive one. I appreciate that. Uh, that makes me feel really good that I am avoiding trends. Uh, I will never get a man bun. Um, <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> I will never wear skinny jeans. Yeah, those things I would like to avoid. Before yeah, the I, show, we came up with uh, a, a new title for Keith. He's officially the what we say the president of the Man Bun Avoidance Association, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It and is he's true. doing a stellar job of it. It's the only reason I shave my head, really, quite frankly. You're a shining light of man bun avoidance with that bald head. Well, I, I'm a shining reflection of light. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Had a surreal moment today of going into the office after being requested to do so uh, to to get my stuff because they're, they're changing up how desks are going to work when we go back into the office. And it was weird seeing it so empty and everything literally the exact same way it was when I, I stopped going in in March. So it was bizarre. Frozen in time. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Told my wife it felt like a ghost town. So insane. I miss it. I totally miss it. I, I, I miss being in at least four days a week. So hopefully we'll get back there one day. Indeed. But with, but with that, uh, very excited about today's guest. And today's guest is the one and only Dwayne Forrester. Dwayne Forrester is formerly an SEO program manager at Microsoft, senior product manager for Bing Webmaster Tools, VP of Search Operations at Bruce Clay, Inc., and is now the VP of Industry Insights at Yext. An accomplished writer and conference speaker, Dwayne is very well known and respected in the digital marketing industry. In his spare time, he enjoys building custom guitars, camping, and overlanding in his Jeep, though some people call that off-roading. Welcome to the show, Dwayne Forrester. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you so much. I am excited <laughs> to be on the show with you guys today. And uh, just seeing you uh, charges me. Just <laughs> me feel good. Like I've been struck with a bolt of lightning. So we're not energy vampires. No, not at all. Okay. Well, I don't know. The pre-prep for the show was, you know, it was sliding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Fair. No, we're, I think we're good. I think we're good. Good. You guys are always good people. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. It's been too long, and it sucks that we won't get to see each other this year at conferences. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You're talking about, you know, hey, go back to the office, right? And I'm like, if I don't see an airport again for another year, I'm okay. <laughs> so. That's fair. You are a, a traveling man, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no doubt. And mostly you, you travel to New York too, right? That's one of the, your, your biggest haunts. So the headquarters for the company is in New York. Uh, although we're moving offices right now, we don't actually have an office in New York, technically. Um, the new office is going to be down in Chelsea. And uh, the old office was up at 1 Madison Avenue. Um, so Jesse, you know, you're saying, you know, had to go into the office for a minute and collect some stuff. Like all of our folks had to do that a month ago. <laughs> uh, that, like, that's what we were seeing on Slack was that same conversation of like, well, that was weird. Yeah. You know? And, and cause it was one of those, you know, my boss and I got on the call in March after we had both come back from trips and we were like, no more flying. Yep. No more flying. Okay. We'll just wait and see what happens. We thought maybe a couple of weeks, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and while we're sitting here and we're looking at every large company, every big brand that's online, um, you know, the major corporations, they're all saying similar thing, 21, 22, stay away, don't come back yet, you know? And and it's it's really... This is our inflection point, I believe, for, you know, well, Jesse, you're not part of Keith and my generation, but (laughs) your own generation is going through the same inflection point. So now we've got two generations hitting this inflection point at the same time. And I think it leaves an indelible mark on all of us. There's no question. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's interesting. Uh, our, Our two generations going through this, I'm wondering if if maybe the battle between, you know, gen x and the millennials will end yeah. now yeah kind of that shared <laughs> angst moment yeah yeah we're all curmudgeons and pissed let's just yeah. let's move exactly. on <laughs> exactly you're not cranky because you're old you're cranky because you're you exist out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. we can all agree on two things rush is the greatest band ever and the pandemic sucks so you know common ground to move forward although keith i'm noticing and Listeners may have a hard time picking up on this point. You're not enthusiastically nodding your head when I say Rush is the best band ever. So we'll get into that. Me and Keith have had this Mm -hmm. conversation, and then you and I, Dwayne, have very much had this conversation. Rush will be a topic. But first, (laughs) for those who who don't know you, which I would be very surprised if our listener base isn't aware of you, tell us a little bit about yourself, both professionally and personally. Okay. Um, what can I tell you? Uh, almost 25 years in the industry now, uh, came up through gambling, um, you know, worked for a, a company that was heavily involved with sports betting uh, when I lived in Canada, from Canada originally, um, you know, worked at Caesars Palace Casinos in Canada before that. Um, at that time, was heavily involved in off-roading in Eastern Canada. That was my kind of weekend getaway, the thing that I like to do and take my Jeep out with the Jeep Club. And we did uh, community support. Uh, and then we went out and had fun on our own. And and it was great. Um, I literally had, I'm going to give a shout out here to Bill Hartzer, uh, who at some point I'm sure is going to cross paths through all of this. <laughs> and... Um, you know, Bill and I were having a conversation one day. So Bill and I were were really heavily involved in kind of back channel communications and, you know, like w- whatever fell in our laps right after IRC. Um, you know, we were all about that, right? Like we were early adopters on LinkedIn and all of these things. And how do you exploit this? And how do you do that? I mean, I'm sorry. How do you take the best <laughs> advantage of the tools and systems that are available for you? Um, and, uh, we were chatting one day and I said to Bill, I said, look, I, I'm thinking about writing an ebook because like all of this stuff I've got in my head about SEO, I'm worried about forgetting it. And his words to me were any bozo can write an ebook, get yourself a book deal and you're an expert. And <laughs> True. I, I, I was just like, well, he's from Texas. That makes perfect sense to me. Again wrote a book, Microsoft called, went to work for Microsoft and, you know, wrote my second book. Uh, and it's been, I think, an absolute roller coaster since then, largely due to the amazingness of the people in this industry. Um, I, I just don't know that that exists in other things, in other verticals and other spaces. Um, I, I just think that um, we've got a lot of good eggs in this basket, you know, and and it works. So, so look, I've been happy to be in the, in the community, happy to help out. 
Um, I, I'm hoping that some listeners uh, will will have come across me at some point and that I've done something that was helpful for them. You know, I'm very much don't care about the brand, care about helping you be successful. So whether that benefits me or my company, I believe in karma. I believe that there's a benefit to me. If, if it's nothing more than I get to feel good about it, that's enough for me. And, you know, nowadays, nowadays it's, you know, working hard, dealing with client stuff, um, you know, talking on the Zoom circuit, whatever that is these days, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and when time allows, I'm in the workshop that I built in my backyard, building custom guitars, or I'm now building out my Jeep and we're going out exploring the deserts of California. And, you know, it's just a way to keep mentally balanced. That's awesome. So, so and I have two dogs, both of them, hey. are one of whom has a terrible <laughs> attitude. So, <laughs> I, I dig that dog's attitude though. I mean, I really, you, you post pictures of him quite a bit and he's just sitting there doing a weird flex on you every oh, yeah, single time yeah, you take yeah, a picture. Yeah. So, so I'm going to get in early on this one, Keith. Um, Tabby is female, just FYI. Um, okay. But, but she flexes like crazy. And if you ask mm -hmm. her if she's flexing, she actually starts to tremble a little bit like she's flexing harder. It's hilarious. Right? Maybe it's like, imposter syndrome. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kid you, right? Like early adopter of TikTok and my TikToks, there's a ton of them of her doing that crap because it's just amazing. In fact, I was hitting, um, for a few weeks there, early on, when Arnold Schwarzenegger joined TikTok, I kept hitting his handles, trying to get him to respond to her, right? You know, and he never responded. But in fairness, like he has two donkeys walking around his office. <laughs> yeah. That's so I'm like, okay, you got me beat by a country mile, dude. I, I, get, it. I get it. I'm still Bush League here. I understood, right? When I bring home the giraffe, then I'll get the response. Got it. <laughs> It's mm -hmm. funny you mentioned yeah. that because I'm very much on TikTok as well, and and very much because of you and my wife. But sorry, yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the it's the greatest time suck I I have. Uh -oh. It's so yeah. good, uh, and I started following Arnold too, uh, and I didn't know about that chunk of his life, and all of a sudden, yeah. some donkey just comes walking yeah. into his office. I'm like, what the hell? And he's like, oh, yeah. I love you so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the craziest shit ever. I'm going yeah. to go polish my boots. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> he stands up and like, like, I don't know if it's a donkey or a horse, but it's like waist high. It's like this tiny little thing. And yeah. it just follows him around like a puppy. And yeah. you know, two of them. And he's sitting at his giant desk with a big cigar. and Giant story. And you're just like, wait. Is this art imitating life or life imitating art? To me, I see some character references in your real life. <laughs> especially after seeing his TikTok, I feel like Arnold is just an Austrian man that's in California, but really should have moved to Texas. Mm -hmm. I feel like I Arnold so. Schwarzenegger emotionally stopped aging at about 28, and he's been <laughs> able to maintain that for the rest of his life. And I am profoundly jealous because <laughs> there are days I wake up and I feel 68 and I'm just mm -hmm. like, emotionally, I'm over it all. I'm done. I just want to like, you know what? Neighbors, nope, don't need them. Don't want them. Don't want to know them. 
all of it, you know, and he's <laughs> like, I, I left Canada with like, what, 36 million people. I live in California that has like 38 million people. And I swear to you, they are all on the one-on-one freeway when I need to go somewhere. All of them, <laughs> that freeway alone, and that's it. Like, I believe California is in a vortex of its own, where any moment in time when you approach a freeway, everyone approaches the freeway around you. And I think that if we looked closely, we would see that everyone driving is actually animatronic, except you. And that's what's happening here. So, so I, I don't see. Know. So yeah. you're postulating that there's a grand conspiracy <laughs> to prevent you specifically from getting to where you are going. Interesting. See, oh, to me, psychologically. <laughs> I am also the automaton in someone else's grand conspiracy. Oh, I see. You, you read a lot of Philip K. Dick growing up, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I immediately <laughs> thought of PKD, 100%. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm going right now, I'm back in some of the earlier William Gibson stuff, Irudu, Iruduru, and like those trilogy of things. And uh, it's it's amazing, because I'm, I'm looking at his stuff from, what was that, like 2003 or... Mm. 98 or something like that. Anyhow, it's, it's old now. And I'm like, you're actually describing a version of California that like could happen. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I'm like that, uh, you know, that is literally one politicians here, hold my drink away from being our reality. So my God, with uh, upon time of recording this, uh, looking at what's happening in California right now, you'll see pictures coming out of San Francisco that look exactly like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was my walk with my dogs this morning down here by L.A. Like we mm -hmm. walked around the corner and we we turned the corner by our home. The, the lady who lives on the corner has a fig tree, um, a lime tree, a couple of lemon trees, an orange tree. And everyone in the neighborhood knows that she uses all of that produce for her family. So nobody takes them. Uh, everybody watches out for it. But when you walk around the corner, this blocks your view at 7 a.m. at this time of year of the sunrise. And so mm. you don't see the sun until you come around the last tree. And then it was full on dune this morning. Like <laughs> I, I just stopped and I handed my wife the, the second walker lead for the dog. And I was like, I have to get photos and videos of this. And, you know, iPhone not really capable of capturing that moment. But it was just apocalyptic and and i'm like holy crap this is weird yeah i know the science behind it i know why it's happening and the different wavelengths and particles in the air and all that and i'm on you know the uh the the government uh air now app checking out the air quality of my neighborhood and it's fine and and yet temperatures we walking this morning it was like 57 degrees and we were walking and i'm like wait it's mid-september it should be like 72 and perfect and mm -hmm. oh, gone so so yeah so we we got some we got some interesting stuff going on here and uh i plan to take liberal advantage of that and take my jeep out to the desert and go see what it looks like out there in the middle of nowhere so <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say like if anybody ever needed to escape uh civilization uh as it declines and gets worse and worse you're probably best suited for that because you've you know we mentioned this in the introduction you're you're big uh, overlander? Over, is, is that a, is that a yeah, proper way to say honestly, it? I think it's all the same thing. Um, I, I believe overlanding refers to traveling distances, 
whereas off-roading is more reserved for going to a particular trail or two and completing those trails and, and you coming back. For me, mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of don't care. Um, what I end up doing is, you know, the Jeep is outfitted with a tailgate table. We've got extra water in there. Um, I just this morning got it back from the shop with more aggressive, bigger tires on it. Next week, it was in to have a lift installed. Um, I've got tools. We've got a winch on there. It's got body armor. Uh, I've got my ham radio license and a ham radio in there and a CB radio. And all of this sounds vaguely like prepping, uh, but it's <laughs> and I, it's hard to like kind of separate those two things because I do believe in being prepared. You live in California, you know, like you're beaten over the head with the earthquake stuff, right? So, mm. you know, do I have extra water in my house? Hell, yes, I have extra water. I've got enough water in my garage to tsunami the other side of my neighborhood. <laughs> you know, like, but that's what you do. And so for us, it's more about, look, if we can't travel anywhere, we can't go anywhere, you know, uh, my last plane ride for work, I landed at LAX and I had 995,995 miles in my Delta account. It was five miles short of a million. And um, incidentally, never heard anything from them. Uh, mm. Went to go shopping online. I'm over a million now. Still haven't heard anything from them. But what I don't know is how soon I'll be using those miles to do anything like, you know, fly to Austria for vacation. Because I don't know that I want to go to the airport. I don't know that I want my car in the long-term parking. I don't know that I want to be on the airplane and then traveling other places in public transit for maybe a couple of years. And so my wife and I basically said, well, look, you know, we love day trips. We live in Southern California. So let's just like literally throw darts at a map and be like, we haven't been there before. Let's go there. Two weeks Mm -hmm. ago. Um, we went out to, uh, Joshua tree and we spent a few hours out there hiking around, um, and then continued a big loop down by the Salton sea. And then back through an area called the Anzo Borrego desert, where we just, you know, like I, I have an app that I use called Gaia GPS, um, for folks that are into hiking, or if you just want to go like day tripping Gaia GPS, it's G A I A G or a GPS. Um, I get the pro version because it allows you to blend different layers of maps. So topographical with roadmaps, with hiking trails, and you can mix the intensities so you can customize what you want to see most prominently on the map. And we just like, we'll drive up and down a road in the desert looking for this offshoot. And then when you see it, you just drive down there with the Jeep and see where it goes. And it's a fun way to escape and do something. And of course we've got all the cook gear we need. We've got food supplies. We've got everything. So we can just stop anywhere in the desert, put up a shade, put out the chairs, cook ourselves a meal and just enjoy whatever that view is in that moment. And I will forever maintain this, that like there is something magical about going to an area where you naturally do not have reception on your mobile device. It, for some people, I'm one of these people, and maybe this will resonate with you guys and some of the listeners, but like I kind of low-key feel like if I'm connected to a network, then I have a responsibility to be responsive. And Mm -hmm. so if someone emails me on my vacation, I'm going to respond to them. And it's not problematic. I can always find the balance that I seek. But there are times when you want that reset. And if it's a Sunday and you go out of cell range and you cannot get connected, then that forces you to be much more in that moment because your options are really limited. Your options are be in the moment or run away quickly from that moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
Well, if you drove three and a half hours to get to the desert, chances are you're not going to run away in the heat of the moment just to go see if somebody sent you an email on Sunday afternoon. I mean, I'll be honest, right? Like, you know, I I am happy. Like, we're at the point where we kind of convince ourselves like we're doing the community a favor by going out and doing these trips because we take our dogs to our pet sitters and we leave them there for two nights. So now we're supporting our local business. We're helping out a friend who has a company. Uh, the dogs are getting something a little bit different than we're hopping in the Jeep early on Sunday morning and we're gone for 12 to 15 hours. We're getting back late that night. We're crashing, get the dogs the next day and you're back to work. But you've had that total reset in your life because you've separated yourself from your pets for a little while. You separated yourself from your home. You've gone to another community that you generally would not have been in. And because we're showing up self-sufficient, not that we'd planned it this way, it just worked out this way, we're not really interacting with anybody out there. So we're not going to the local grocery store. We're not going to these places because we have the fuel, we have the food, we have what we need, and we just stay off on our own, you know? And so, like, I'm going to try to convince myself that I'm being socially responsible with that, you know? Like, even if it wasn't going to go, I'd probably seek to avoid a lot of people. So there we go, you know? Indeed. So, yeah, I, I, that totally resonates. Like I'm always someone that has to try to intentionally not respond or be connected as little as possible on the weekends. But we're in a very lucky position with our jobs where we use a private email network that you have to give permission to your phone to have on your phone, but it's not forced. So I don't have email on my phone for work. So I'm not getting work emails and mm -hmm. ha -ha. Yeah. You guys screwed up. I can't answer your emails on the weekend. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is really important too, because, you know, I think the pandemic has made this change happen. And, you know, I'm not going to focus on the work side of things because I think companies are all kind of looking at how they help employees balance. Um, but it's really important that we balance ourselves. You know, like we have to take that active role in figuring this out. You know, like Keith, I love tuning into the live streams when you're at the bar. I don't drink. I haven't drank in 15 years, but I love watching this go on. Part of that is because I know Keith and I love Keith. And if Keith's an expert at this, then I can learn something from it. And it's engaging. And when I see Keith do something that I think was a minor faux pas, or perhaps he was going to add a little more blue curacao than he had intended oh, to. And, you know, like, then I'm going to call him out in the, in the comments on it. And, and we have that kind of back and forth. And that's the balance that we're all after, you know? Trust uh, me, if, if I add blue curacao to anything, make sure you yell at me just because I I hate blue curacao. It's so, <laughs> it's so nasty. So is it is it all as bad as like, I don't know, getting struck by lightning? I haven't been struck by lightning, so I couldn't say for sure. Well, then you know what you need to do here. You need to A-B test this theory. <laughs> <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> The, the data will will out. The data will out. Well played. Uh, looking, <laughs> let me check. Looking at my watch, I believe we are at the "Tell Me Something Good" segment. Tell me something good. So, uh, Dwayne, give us uh, give us your otaku recommendation. What what do the listeners need to check out? All right. So, being a Canadian, um, I don't. At least I didn't think I did well with heat, like hot sauce <laughs> and, and whatnot. 
Uh, living in Southern California, it turns out that this is uh, different. I was wrong. Um, I um, <laughs> am growing guano peppers and shishito peppers in my backyard right now. Uh, this morning, one of my shishito plants had five new peppers growing on it. Um, but for folks that are listening, I highly encourage you guys, if you have not come across the web series on YouTube called Hot Ones, you absolutely need to tune into this web series. Uh, it's as celebrities do the interview circuit, Hot Ones is a show where they come in, they get asked questions about their project, their movie, their life, whatever it is, but they eat a series of success or successively hotter chicken wings as they go down, ask answering their 10 questions. And um, it's remarkably insightful because when you are under duress, who you are becomes much more apparent and uh, your PR person's kind of proddings and guidance and sign language in the background all goes away <laughs> because you're like, this is a transcendent experience you're having. So uh, you see a very different version of the celebrity in there. Uh, but for me, and I think Jesse, Keith, for you guys, part of the reason this is so engaging is the host is probably one of the best interviewers I have ever experienced in my entire life. <laughs> His research, his flow, how he positions things, how he helps, nudges, and kind of extracts the information. And then, and then, inevitably, the guest will ask the question, oh, do I have to do that? And then he say, well, you don't have to. And the hook is set. Because mm -hmm. the celebrity then is like, well, yeah, I kind of do have to. Now, don't I? <laughs> you know, he's a master at this. So, so do that, and then check out a website called The Heatnist. H E A T Heatnist, because a lot of the hot sauces for the show are supplied by that company out of Brooklyn. I know because I've got twenty bottles of hot sauce in my pantry now here in Southern California. And let me tell you, if it has the name Chiquanda on it, I am mm -hmm. all in. It is probably the tastiest sauce I've ever had in my life. And these are not sauces that are hot for the sake of heat. They have to have flavor and a balance of heat in there at some level. So, so listen, I'm just going to encourage everybody, right? This will cure what ails you. Go ahead, <laughs> have some of this, whatever sauce you like, however hot you like it. It will literally add the spice to your life. And on that note, don't forget the new trailer for Dune is out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the spice, speaking of the spice, yeah. I, you know what I'll do, Dwayne? I need to get your address from you. I will send you some samples of um, a new uh, a new salsa, not really salsa, but a sauce uh, that a friend of mine just uh, came out with called Burnt Ends. He, oh, uh, you must. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. You should see Dwayne's eyes right now. He's so excited. Allow me, allow me to change your lives. If you're hearing okay. the words that I'm about to say, your life will break down to before statement and after statement. Uh -oh. And the statement is about a website called Gold Belly. Now, oh, you yeah. guys might have heard of Gold Belly. Yeah. When Gold Belly was a startup, they were involved in the Microsoft program, and I was one of the advisors for them. Nice. So, and if I remember my math correctly, IBM was an early investor in Gold Belly. So there's Probably. that. Right? It's, <laughs> that, it's that was an incubator, all that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, Gold Belly, 
delivers overnight your favorite foods from any restaurant in America. That's its claim mm -hmm. to fame, okay? I can actually get the burnt ends from my favorite Lockhart's in South Dallas wow. sent them overnight through them. So you know I'm going to be doing that. So wow. if Keith, you think you got a sauce that's going to take me down that path, oh, brother, we are definitely making this connection happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, get, get get me that address, uh, Jesse. You you know that's uh, it's John Brotherton, the guy that does Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue. Is it? Uh, it he created the sauce. He's got four different sauces under the burnt ends uh, name. So I'm really right. excited to share that with you. I'm down hundred percent, hundred percent. You got yes. it, man. On yes. its way. So there, that's my good for today. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, what do you have for the good recommendation? So you're going to laugh at me at this one. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit. I sent you down this rabbit hole about a year ago, and I don't think it was the droid you were looking for. Uh, I <laughs> I tend to subscribe to being a fan of multiple genres of music. And that includes mm -hmm. our subgenres of, of the music that I listen to, including metal, which then brings me to Norwegian black metal. Mm -hmm. uh, for those that don't know, Norwegian black metal is really ridiculous extreme metal from from norway duh uh but the story of how this this form of music kind of ended up turning into a very horrific true crime story uh which was um uh, documented in several books and documentaries but the ones i'm thinking of currently go under the name of the lords of chaos uh, the book coming out in the early 90s, right after these incidents happen, uh, it's up for debate on how accurate these are, but uh, they made a movie also um, about a year or two ago that's actually a dramatization of what's going on, and the black metal community disputes its accuracy as well. But I find it incredibly interesting, um, and because it is getting colder outside, the household soundtrack has very much moved into a black metal style so um that that would be my recommendation uh th this week <laughs> what about you <laughs> and just to be clear it wasn't that i didn't like the the docu pick that you sent to me <laughs> it it's just that as i've gotten older in life my tolerance for violence has really diminished i have i think the more pain you experience as you get older yeah, and that's sure. that's inevitable yeah. the more you, you empathize with the pain you see on the screen oh, so really. i uh that, that's probably what that was about but my yeah. recommendation is is literally an author uh this time around so um i'm going to recommend a nobel nominated uh, author but not winning author i'm really pissed about that haruki murakami uh <laughs> he is my absolute favorite author of all time i've read every single book he's come out with um and so it makes it very difficult for me to make a recommendation for a specific book but i'll i'll do my best um my first book that I read of his was called Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World it's a short enough novel to where you can um get through it and still get a taste of what is consistently good about Haruki Murakami's writing. Uh, and uh, after that, maybe pick up Norwegian Wood, which they made a movie out of a few years back uh, and uh, highly recommend that. So that is my otaku recommendation for the week and good recommendations, guys. Yeah. So 
I'm really excited about this. And I was I was hoping we would get into this a little bit, uh, having you on the show. And I feel like this is going to become the great debate that starts a, a couple of different conversations. The, the first, let's start with Rush, greatest band of all time. Agreed. All right. Done. So Dwayne and I agree on this. What are what your feelings, Keith? Clear, clearance crew, Waddle Revival, right? <laughs> <laughs> the greatest band of all time is a really... It's a really tough one. It's a tough sell for me. Not because I don't believe they're great artists. It's just that, you know, it, it's such a subjective thing, period. You know, some people might say the Beatles were the greatest oh, of all time. You're, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I, normally, I would be 100% on board with you, okay? Because I understand the subjectivity of music and art and mm -hmm. like all of this, right? Um, but you're wrong. It, it starts <laughs> in a rush. And then everything else, it's like Rush is the comet and everything else is what's trailing after it in space. Their vapor trails. Right. So if you want to debate all of that, by all means, yes, please, let's do that. But recognize the comet, sir. Recognize the chunk of ice hurtling through our universe and recognize the logo branded on the front of that. Straight out of Canada, the North, Rush. Mm -hmm. There we are. I mean, I get it. It's like the one band that's come out of Canada that's been any good. But I mean, this is not oh. true. <laughs> joking, My man, I, you, we're going to have words because if you are not including Anne Murray in this conversation, we've got problems. Okay? Uh, Anne Murray, she's fine. I was thinking more along the lines of Gordon Lightfoot, but you know, yeah, um, no, I can, I can get down with that. I'm, I'm, I'm totally, uh, you know. Okay, like just between the three of us, I've got a record player downstairs because I, I do have a vinyl collection. I may or may not have some Lightfoot in there. I'm just saying. <laughs> now, I mean, eventually, I figure I'll age into it, but you know, it's there. You'll age into being able to admit that you like him. But I, you know, listen, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm almost well. I'm, in, I'm late forties now, but I've been listening to Gordon Lightfoot since. Yeah. the 70s man i yeah. mean the guy the guy was a true talent but rush it's not that i don't like them don't get me wrong it's just not not my preferred listening i, I think maybe i just have a problem with getty's voice i maybe well, that's it then what is your preferred <laughs> listening because I, oh, yeah. I love rush right but like these days i'm heavy back into country chris stapleton mm. toby keith like all of these kinds of like recent term keepers as i think of them in the genre and i I'm, I'm just heavy into that i get in the jeep and that's what i put on my satellite radio and i love it and if it's not that mm. hey, just hit the 80s channel and off i go um yeah. so what is it that you're trending toward these days keith i'm all over the place i really am honestly i i go through my stages where i'm like 100 percent neoclassical guitarists mm -hmm. uh where i'm just jamming to joe satriani and even mm -hmm. i mean i'll even admit that i will still occasionally listen to Ingve Malmsteen, though his ego, uh, oh, yeah. it, it, it becomes more evident the more you listen to him. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, and then sometimes I'm, I'm strictly into like, I, I love singers and songwriters from the sixties, seventies. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd love that sort of, it's, it's probably uh, nostalgic for me because, you know, my parents listen to that stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. So really, so, I really am all over the place. Classical music, I'm a huge classical music fan. 
total uh, total tangent here. Um, interestingly, I'm actually getting more into classical recently and wanting more of that. Um, but have you seen, I think it's called Topanga Canyon. It's a documentary about all of the bands from that area of Southern California during the 60s and 70s. It's oh. fantastic. Fantastic really documentary. Really good. Really good. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. We watched it. And then that weekend, we went for a drive down PCH1, down the coast, because it's Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes from our house. We hung a left up Sunset. So while we cruised up Sunset, we listened to hair metal, because Sunset. And then you (laughs) crossed over, and you come up to Penga, and then it was all the mamas and the papas, the birds, like all of that, Mm -hmm. right? It was such a great way to just go for an urban tour around LA, and it's all right there. Uh, But that I've been uh, falling into the um uh, musical documentaries anything to do with a band of any kind of renown or a movement of music i've been like just going down into that and just immersing myself and learning about that it's been fantastic yeah yeah now i give rush all the credit i mean they they obviously are a good band and some people like their music a lot and right. some people uh, yeah, and, some, and some people like me won't band. turn the radio off if they're on the radio oh that's just not the preservation you know better Got it. <laughs> that's all congratulations everyone this is the alien test right you know are you from another planet yeah go ahead and turn the radio off while rush is on that's the end of you <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect rapture. <laughs> I didn't expect to be cornered during this episode. <laughs> I oh, knew it was not the Ron part yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dwayne, being someone that is a big musical fan, because I know when you and I met and started talking, it was very much centered around guitars. But then I remember there's one PubCon Austin where you and I were in a couple of sessions that somehow both asked greatest band in the world. And simultaneously we were like, rush the end. <laughs> and I think people really hated us that day, but yeah. that, that kind of musical element of your life has turned into something really cool in the element of building guitars. So what, what's going on with that? Why build guitars? Okay. So this is, um, I have to admit, this did not start as my journey. Um, when I met my wife, uh, 20, two 23 years ago now um she had told me she wanted to learn to play guitar so being young and poor i went to the local music store and bought the crappiest you know acoustic guitar that they had there because i didn't know any better um <laughs> gave it to her as a gift and um at that point our stories diverge but we come back around to we still have that guitar here it is an absolute piece of crap there's nothing mm-hmm. i can do short of burning it that will make it sound better um, and even then, I'm sure the snap, crackle, and pop will be off key. Um, but but it was always that kind of in the background thing. And then when we lived in Seattle, um, I bought her another guitar. I bought one for myself, didn't like it, returned it, bought a different one. And that kind of began my journey of learning to play. And um, I say learning to play, let's air quote the hell out of that, right? Because that would presume that I've actually learned to play guitar, over the last, say, seven years or so of that journey. Uh, And not really. I know six chords. I could technically play music. uh, but, But what ended up happening along the way was it occurred to me one day that if you look at a fretboard on a guitar, to me, it looks like a spreadsheet. It's just a series of rectangles in a grid. 
Mm-hmm. And while I never really then sat down and memorized everything that was in that grid, I started understanding the mathematics of guitars. And then I started, just picked up a book and I was like, hey, I think I might like to try to build a guitar one day. I've always been into woodworking, give it a try. Um, built my first guitar the way I wanted to build. Uh, it was crap. It's unplayable. It doesn't work. The math was all wrong because <laughs> I didn't use any. Um, and then as luck would have it, the area that we lived in, down the road from me about five minutes is a guitar shop called Carruthers Guitars. And John Carruthers, uh, as well as being um, a, a Canadian like myself, transplanted to Southern California, he is one of the biggest names in custom guitar manufacturing. And he's built for ZZ Top, um, Leonard Skinner, um, you name the band, uh, Lindsey Buckingham, uh, you name the band, he's done the work. And so I walked in one day and introduced myself to John. We start talking. Um, fast forward to today, and it's John's CNC machine that I do all of my raw work on. It's his CNC machine that I'll have carved the base for the necks for my guitars on. It's his paint shop that I will have do the final paint work on some of the guitars. Um, along the way, it's just been an invaluable moment to be able to go in and go like, hey, I put the neck on the body and this is what's happening. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's because you've got a Chinese built neck and the angle on it's a little bit different. Let's go to the milling machine and you f- take off two one thousandths of an inch of material and it flattens it out and it sits perfectly. And now your guitar works great. And it's been an extraordinary case of learning to use new machines, use old machines, program CNCs know what makes a guitar, how it's made, um, the different, like the impact that woods have and the resins in them and what the drying process is like, uh, being able to identify good woods. Um, you know, I've got my own wood now that I import from Western Canada and I'm drying that to my specifications so that I can hand carve things. And across all of that, the ability to sit down with an idea in my head and fashion that into something with my own hands has been extraordinary because, you know, a couple of times we've touched on balance during this, this uh, conversation. And like, let me tell you guys, like you need something in your life that takes you away from the minutia of what we do every day. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder before, during, or immediately after and ask your opinion about something to do with your job. And you're going to sigh and you're going to take a big deep breath and you're going to take two hours. You're going to answer that email. That is our life as experts but you need something that is you. And for me, that's walking into my 100 square foot shop that is fully wired where I sit down with raw pieces of wood and I turn them into guitars just on my own. And any idea is fine. I've drilled, I took a piece of wood that I threw, I thought I was gonna throw away. I thought it was garbage. I paid $5 for it on eBay. And I thought this is garbage, I'm gonna throw it out. And then I decided, well, what if I just drilled a bunch of holes through it? And now it's one of my favorite guitars that I've built of all times. It's got angled holes. So you see through the body at different angles. It's got 11 bullet casings embedded in it from the front side. They're 38 specials. Uh, it's got hand uh, wound wax twine uh, wrapped around the wood to kind of give it this kind of old Western feel to it. Um, and it's just one of my favorite builds because it was a series of, I'd say about six weeks of walking in the shop going, Hey, why not? And it all came together, you know. Um, I've I've got um, uh, probably my favorite build of all time was when my dad was here over the holidays last year. 
Um, we walk in, I had a raw piece of mahogany and, you know, he's like, what do you do with this? And I'm like, I don't know, just like start drawing lines on it and see what I like. And I actually ended up putting a grid pattern down and then intersected uh, where the lines crossed. I drilled holes. And if you think about a guitar on the neck of a guitar, there'll be dots on it. And those mm -hmm. dots aren't just artwork. Those dots denote certain notes on the neck, right? And they're position markers, mm -hmm. right? Three, five, seven, nine, 12, 15, and so on. And right. so those dots are material, abalone, uh, mother of pearl, uh, plastic, clay, whatever they happen to be. Um, I had a bunch of uh, mother of pearl ones, and I decided to drop five millimeter holes at all those intersections and do a star pattern of those. And I replaced a single one with a 10 millimeter um, mother of pearl star. So if you look carefully at the guitar, you'll see the one star embedded in this field of other things. And then I hand stained it and I aged it and it's this beautiful blue color, but then I wanted to do more. So I carved a comfort cut up around the side. So if you're holding the guitar um, where your arm would rest on the top of the guitar, there's a curve on it. So it's super comfortable on your arm. Your arm isn't hitting a square edge basically. Uh, but when I did that, I left the wood raw and then stained it so that it was just clear. So you see different color gradations of the different types of woods. You'll see the stain, the blue that I used. You'll see the cherry wood and all the graining in it. And then you'll see the mahogany of the body. And of course, the entire thing is hollowed out inside. So it's super lightweight. It's very resonant. Like, honestly, you can see what happens here, right, guys? Like Jesse mm -hmm. said, go, right? And I'm into a whole other language now. Like we all learned SEO. We all learned conversion. We all learned all these things. I went off and I learned guitar. And now I build these things, play them like crap but I know the numbers that make a good guitar. And so you can always build a guitar to the number. The flip side to that is the enjoyment and artistry you get to have in the creative process of making something your own. Like it's at the point now where I will get people contact me and say, hey, can I commission you to build me a guitar? I'm like, no, um, but I've got two builds I'm doing right now. If you're interested in either one of those, I'll sell them to you because I never want this to be, I'm building it because someone else wanted it because then I'm working to their vision. This will always be for me something that is, this is my vision and I'll find someone who likes it. If not, then I've got a collection of guitars hanging out in my house and I'm, I'm okay with that. That's artwork for me. So I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan. I, um, if anybody wants to check it out, um, Acantus Guitars is the uh, brand. Uh, it's A-C-C-A-N-T-U-S. Uh, it is Latin for tone. And uh, if you hit uh, Instagram, you'll see some photos on there. Uh, if you hit my personal TikTok, you'll see videos on there from the workshop, me doing all kinds of different things. Um, you will even hear a little bit of rush in some of those videos. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, boom, right back. Full loop right there. That's an end <laughs> Full circle. That's great. You're you're you've you've sort of backed, uh, sort of re reverse engineered the perfect guitar. I've I've often wondered how much the body uh, affects the sound, especially for electric guitars, compared to something like a I don't know a Seymour Duncan uh, pickup. Uh, you know, so, and and w what percentage would you say is a benefit of the of the of the Seymour Duncan pickup versus the right. mahogany body? So um, I actually wind my own pickups now because I can do a much better job than most of what's produced, even by great companies like Seymour Duncan. In fact, the last two builds I'm working on are Seymour Duncans because I have them, I paid for them, I want to use them. 
Um, yeah. Love their stuff. Uh, they're a local company to me. They're 45 minutes from my house. So I can just like, or I used to be able to just drive to the office. Um, so here's the way this works out. Okay. Let's just focus on electric guitars. Wood has a much bigger impact on tone for an acoustic guitar than it does on an electric guitar. Mm -hmm. But it still right. has an impact. Um, in, I would say 90% of the cases, you really can't screw up the tone on an electric guitar by picking the wrong wood. Um, mm -hmm. If it were an acoustic guitar, then, uh, you know, like if you don't stay within 10 to 15%, then you're going down the wrong path and yeah. it'll be obvious to you. Um, real, here's a pro tip that I was taught. I'll pass this on to everybody. If you ever want to know if a piece of wood will sound good for a musical instrument, just pick it up. You guys can't see this, but I'm holding my fingers fairly close together. Pinch it between two fingers and let it hang. Let it dangle from your fingertips and then wrap on it with your knuckle. If you hear it resonate, it will be good as a tone wood. If it sounds solid and it does not resonate, it will not be good as a tone wood. And you'll mm -hmm. do this a couple of times and you'll be like, oh, well, that's common sense. That makes total sense to me. But within that resonant tone wood category, you have like a spectrum of stuff, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I've actually held in my hands wood that cost $10,000 a foot. And, and it, it is probably the most resonant piece of wood I've ever had in my life. You can imagine what it would be like to build a guitar with that. That would be like getting a 24 karat diamond and being handed a pair of scissors and being told, go ahead, chop it up. <laughs> like there's a lot that you could do wrong here and, yeah. and the outcome is not what you intended. Um, but for the most part, you know, this is why most, most guitars, uh, solid body guitars are made of alder or made of mahogany because they just sound great. And then there's a balance of the lightness and the heaviness and that kind of thing. Um, most of my guitars end up chambered. So they're hollow inside. They have chambers in them. Um, most of that is for lightness, but part of it is also for resonance. And if the body resonates more, then the strings pick up on that resonance and that changes how that interacts. That string is interacting with the electrical field from the pickup. So there is an effect, but it's like asking, like, you know, if I put the keyword in the URL, how much lift do I get in ranking? It's like that type of conversation <laughs> for the musical side of it. Right. So uh, the thickness of the wire, how many wines are on the pickup, the quality of this, um, you know, the quality of the soldering, all of these things, they all have this cumulative effect to give us the sounds that we want. But almost without fail, the music that you love is produced on an instrument that has been finely tuned by an expert, not something that was bought off a showroom floor. So can you sound like Metallica? Oh, you can get about 97, 98% of the way there. But I guarantee you, their guitar techs are doing things to their guitars that the manufacturers are not aware of and they don't know about and won't make a difference. And it's rare that the manufacturer goes to the independent technician and says, you show us what you did so we can put that into production. A lot of times it doesn't scale in production. And so it's they, they won't do that. They can come close, but not all the way. And it means that you buy a special edition guitar. It looks that way. It functions that way but it'll never quite be the same. And even if you can mimic the player, it, there will be a slight difference. Whether any of us can hear it or not, I don't know. I can't really hear the difference, but you know, maybe my mid 40 year old ears just can't pick up the difference between the woods. I don't know. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of the new uh, Steve Vai Pia guitars that he came out with? I think it was end of last year, maybe middle you know, of last year. 
Yeah, I like him. I'm a fan of Steve and his work and, you know, everything that he's he's kind of involved with. Um, it's it's really interesting because when you get into this, you get in, there's a real subculture for guitars. One of the fastest growing brands in Europe right now is a brand called Chapman Guitars, mm -hmm. um, Rob Chapman. So the last time I was at Bristol SEO, I spent an afternoon with Rob walking around Bristol with him giving me a tour of all the little shops that he loved. And we had lunch together and I've got like an hour long audio interview I did with him that I've never published anywhere because I just, I was going to put it on a guitar blog and then I never bothered with it. And, and yet watching his company grow and knowing how he grew the company is extraordinary because it's very much a business. It's very much go to Korea. That's where the high end stuff is being built right now. Get that factory, make them this level, go to Indonesia, it, labor costs are cheaper, the quality is still there, get these ones built there, ship them out direct, save the middleman. Like there's, it's a, it's a legitimate business. And so when I see Steve coming out with his line of things and, you know, I see Fender doing special editions with this artist, I'm like, that's what's really important. What's fascinating to me is... You know, um, so in the last year, we've gone from, I th it was either Forbes or the New York Times had an article about the death of the guitar, how it was just dying, right? And Gibson went through bankruptcy and everything was problematic and guitars were going away and nobody wanted to learn anymore. Now, now the number one selling instrument during the pandemic because of the pandemic is guitar. You can't keep it in stock. They are sold out everywhere. And it's... Um, it's millennials and Gen Z and women of Gen X buying out guitars like crazy. And now the guitar is like the thing again. And so, you know, I'm just like, all right, here we go. This is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. And and those women will be the douchey person playing guitar at the party instead of the guy, which is, is, with, is a nice turn of events. And honestly, I think that removes the douche from the moment and actually makes it something between poignant and epic. And, yeah. you know, because like, I, I mean, I'm just doing a visualization here, right? Keith in your skinny pants with your ponytail <laughs> playing a guitar at a campfire. I think I just threw up a little in my mouth. Like, you know? <laughs> I died a little inside. I did. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. It's, it's been interesting, too, being someone that also follows um, guitar stuff, that boutique guitar companies are becoming more fashionable. Like oh, yeah. I follow Rob too and his band Dorge. Yeah. Like, there's another company called Monson yep. and they make guitars in the same way that they would make boutique basses yes. where they're more like rock maple, but with like zebra wood tops. Exactly. It's super cool. Exactly. I am. Here's my ethos. I don't believe you need to spend $4,000 on a custom guitar. And the reason that I say that is because the custom guitars that are built down here cost four grand. And I use similar woods. So I know what the costs are in there. I know the reality of it. The difference here is you're getting Johnny Lunchbox building you a guitar, me, or a dude who's done work for Lindsey Buckingham. You know what? That's worth the money, unquestionably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mine is much more of a Boy Scouts project that's kind of grown up a bit, right? Uh, and I'll happily admit that until I get five, 10 years under my belt of building these things, I will never feel that it's anything more than a project. And if somebody loves it, fantastic. Um, do you guys know uh, Manny Rivas? Used to work with uh, Marty over at AimClear. Yeah, okay. yeah, yep. So Marty, um, uh, Manny actually owns the first guitar that I actually sold 
um, he owns that guitar. He saw a photo of a guitar I was building. He fell in love with it. I went out to speak at the conference in Duluth. He pulls me aside. He's like, here's money. I want that guitar. And then we custom ordered a set of pickups for him. When he moved west, I think he moved to Utah, he stopped in the Badlands, took out a battery-powered amp, and wailed on that guitar and sent me the video of him playing my guitar in the Badlands. And that was the guitar, because I told him, look, I'll give you a discount on it, but I need a video of you playing the guitar to kind of showcase. And that was the video he sent me. And I, every time I talk to him, he's like, I still absolutely love this guitar. Like, it's still the most incredible thing, you know? And that feels good because it took me like five months of slave, like just over and over on different points, coming back to it slavishly on this one and this one and this one. And finally just saying, I have to stop on that. I have to move on to this or I'll never complete the guitar. And 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 it, so it felt kind of vindicating, you know, that it was like, Oh, well, it turns out if I actually do put an unlimited amount of time into this, I can make one. Okay, good. Good to know that. Now it's just a matter of speed. You know? so, so, yeah, it's, uh, but, yeah, obviously I could go on about this stuff forever, guys. It's, uh, this is your fault. So there. Looking at my watch, I think we're at the lightning round. Yay. Hey. We're exciting. How exciting. Yeah. The lightning round is our opportunity to ask all of our guests the same questions to get a sort of consistent level setting across uh, everyone that we've talked to so far, plus you, Dwayne. So let's get ready to go. It's good to be right. Thanks. Anytime, anytime. All right. Number one question. How do you think your hobbies have contributed to your success in your full-time work? Well, I haven't lost my mind. So there's that. Um, Excellent. You know, there, so here's the, way, here's the way I look at it. So we all have this moment, right, where we're trying to crack a nut. Whatever the question is that we get, we're kind of looking at it. And we're having various degrees of angst. Sometimes it's positive. Sometimes it's negative. But, but you don't have the immediate answer. Or you're saying, I want to think about it, you know, because, like, I've been down that road before. I didn't like the answer I gave. I don't want to do the same thing. Whatever it happens to be. And you know if you just give it some time. It's the old adage. Sleep on it for tonight. Except mm-hmm. this problem isn't really solving itself, right? And the way this tends to manifest for me is when I'm trying to find ideas, ways to present new ideas to the industry or to talk about things or to explain something to a client or whatever it happens to be. When I disconnect myself fully is when my brain brings me the answer to that question. So my hobby mm-hmm. or different moments of time, like I'll give you an example um, I went to see you too when we lived in Seattle. It was at the um, uh, CenturyLink Field downtown. And uh, my favorite song, they started to play Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And the instant the song started and it hit me that I knew the song, my mind went blank. And then the entire table of contents for my second book came into my head. And I sat down in my chair while everyone around me was screaming like crazy. And I wrote out the table of contents for my book right then and there. And it was done. And that was my second book. Like it was, I was truly moved in that moment. And I find that when I allow myself those moments to disconnect totally, to like force myself into focusing on something else, that's when all of these things come forward again. And so you kind of preload the cylinder in your mind of here are the problems I need to solve. I'm trying to find an idea for ideas for new podcasts to record or new webinars to give. And then I walk out in the workshop 
And when I'm trying to decide how to shape the wood or what two types of wood to put together or whether I want to roast the maple on the neck or not, or how I want to finish this, when I'm in the process of doing something kind of monotonous, like usually sanding, uh, the sexy part of guitar building, um, you know, that's when this other thought comes to your head and you're like, hang on a second, grab my phone, drop it into Evernote. And there it is. Problem solved. So <laughs> like these hobbies, these things I do, whether it's a riding a motorcycle, whether it's building a guitar, out off-roading, I think it truly impacts what I do for a living because it gives my brain that moment to reset and to allow the stuff it's been subconsciously muddling over and working on to float forward. That's not to say every idea that floats forward is a winner, but you know, I'll take any wins I can get. <laughs> I get it. I'm all about that too. Uh, okay. If you could be one fictional character, who would it be? Indiana Jones. Nice. You're certainly trying hard enough. Uh, <laughs> where's the, where's the fedora we need the fedora buddy uh, last <laughs> last question what other interests would you like to pursue if time wasn't a constraint okay i'm going to split this on a personal level i think i would love to be building custom furniture um it feels like a real racket and one that i could exploit you know like <laughs> 10 grand for this table because it's made of teak and yet it cost me you know a thousand dollars in material and i enjoyed making it so like i'd love to go down that path um if we're talking career uh, i have always wanted to be a train engineer um in fact um quick sidebar there's a lot of content on youtube and i'm talking like 10 12 hour segments of videos of cameras on the noses of trains traveling around europe one day I sat in my living room and I put one on for 10 hours and it was a trip from uh, Stockholm to the Arctic Circle on the train. And it, it's just the sounds of the train and the video and you watch that. And it's all it kind of like hit me. It's like, yeah, that solitude, that ability to see things people don't normally see. Like, I really appreciate that in life. And so I feel that's the kind of thing that, you know, I, I, I gravitate toward. So yeah, hmm. train driver. I always pegged you as a hair model, like for like, you know, Paul Mitchell or something. Yeah, I did that in my youth, man. You know, why go back? <laughs> <Just kidding>. Totally <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Great. Awesome. You know, call answers. I, I could be a stand-in hair double for Conan. That's that's a possibility. I agree. I've seen some of your pictures coming out of out of this particular pandemic where people weren't going to the, the stylist as often. And you really could rival Conan O'Brien's hair. In, in yeah, he's I mean, I think he's got a good like eight inches of height on me and, uh, you know, probably a longer reach. But if it came to a quaff, a quaff moment, um, <laughs> you know, from like, like, say, pupils up. I, f I feel I have a fighting chance there. He, he's tall and lanky, though. You could literally just push him over. So it's not a problem. Not a problem there. Awesome. I just did some moshing. I could probably knock him over with my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Great answers. And that was our lightning round for the week. Well, with that, uh, I think we are at time. Um, Dwayne, thank you for coming on. It's been a, a pleasure chatting with you, man. This has been awesome. Easily, easily one of my top 50 favorite you know, podcasts to record. That's great. We're, we're, we're so happy to, to top have, five. have top five, reached totally. so high. 
Fantastic. I've enjoyed this episode as well, Dwayne. I enjoy being on the podcast with two guys that have a voice for radio while I have the face for radio. And in fact, you have a <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this from Keith, our mood master. <laughs> mood master. Good. Good. The good mood. Good mood master. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, with that, that wraps up our show. Thanks again, everybody. Ciao. This has been the Austin Otaku Podcast. To learn more about us and our show, to be a guest, or to subscribe to our show, go to www.austinotaku.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.